Will more than two banks fail? Is it time to buy gold? Recently, the FDIC took over two banks that were in trouble. Now we have reports that an additional 20 regional banks have in excess of $650 billion in bond losses. The Fed admits that their increase in interest rates have done little to bring inflation under control. They may well increase the amount and frequency of interest rates. Isn't it time to consider gold in your portfolio? From January 1st, 2023 to today, the price of gold is up twice as much as the S&P 500. Go to blacksandwhites.us, click on the gold bar, and reach out to Advisors Metals and ask Ira, is gold right for you? Call now. It's important. Welcome to Black and White, a conversation with Dan Perkins. It's time to bring all of us together to talk about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who want to deal with only the facts. And it's time for you as Americans to re-engage in your right of freedom of speech. It's time for you to join me in the conversation on Blacks and Whites. Welcome back to Black and White. And joining me today is uh, uh, Michael Atkins, who's going to talk to us about what's going on in the mortgage market. Biden administration attempt to uh, transfer wealth from those who are responsible to perhaps people who are not possible uh, to be able to make the mortgage payments. So, Michael, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's really been a pleasure. And you are affiliated with Project 21. That's right. The uh, Leadership Network, uh, a group of uh, uh, Black conservatives, or at least Black free thinkers all across the country, commenting on uh, either news of the day or, in my particular expertise, economics. Okay. All right. So let's get started. One of the things that I have noticed about the the Democratic left is that, generally speaking, things that have been tried before and failed, they believe they have the ability to do them again and be successful, that they will not fail. I've been in the business of managing money for 50 years, and I did not get involved in with any of my clients in the mortgage market in 2008 and the meltdown. And I, I, I looked at it and said to my clients and wrote commentaries, the idea that we can take people who have incredibly low FICO scores, but we give them money to buy a house and expect them to be able to make the payments was a flawed idea. It started with Bill Clinton with the Community Lending Act and then we had other legislation that was passed in the Democratic Congress to make sure that everybody, quote, who wanted a home had the ability to buy a home, even if they couldn't make the payments. And that caused a tremendous global meltdown of the capital markets, and people lost billions upon billions of dollars. We now have the Biden administration thinking that they can reinvent this, and they're going to start with saying anybody who has a FICO score above a certain dollar or a certain number will have to pay higher mortgage fees, and that excess over what they would have normally paid is going to go to provide money for housing for poor people who probably can't afford to make the mortgage pay. We're taking from the rich and the successful and the responsible and give to the poor. What's wrong with that philosophy? Well, 
it, it seems that the federal government's Robin Hood routine of what, robbing Peter to pay Paul? I mean, we always knew that was never a good idea, but now it seems like they're kicking it up a notch. Now they want to uh, rob Peter's house and, and give the home to Paul. Yeah, uh, This new income redistribution scheme, I think is just sending a, a chilling message out there. It's that if you work hard, if you pay your bills, if you stay debt-free, the government will punish you. And that's that's a step too far. I agree with you. It is a step too far. But how does it fit into how does it fit in to what's going on in the minority communities? How do the how do the black people, if they even know about this yet, what are you hearing from them about this this redistribution? Well, I mean, does it does it really help them, right? You, what it effectively is saying is, um, why should I work to improve my credit if I'm going to be punished for having a good one? Um, you know, you talked about the the data and, and what these changes in mortgage fees show. You know, I, I did the math. If you have a credit score of 740 or higher, um, and then let's say you take out a $350,000 loan, you put a 20% uh, down payment, you know, you're going to see uh, an increase in mortgage fees of about $1,300. So, you know, I don't, it's not really a black thing or, or, or white thing or any other type of ethnicity. It's really of, you know, working and getting a reward for that work. And when you're creating that type of punishment, um, you should only work up to a certain level, you know, surprise, surprise, that's where people are going to stop. And then ultimately, you know, what we really should be working with is how do we have, how do we make those who have bad credit have good credit? Not that how we can lower their fees. Lowering their fees is, is, is a consequence of not having, of not making good payments, of not paying your bills on time, of having too much debt. The focus needs to be on how do we make these folks into, put these into a better financial position, not give them a handout and subsidize their, their, their bad decisions, bad financial decisions. Do you think, uh, uh, and I'm not trying to ask a political question, I'm trying to ask an economic question. Do you think under the Trump administration, that minorities created more wealth? Oh, they most certainly did. And one reason or one way that you can show that is looking at the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate for African-Americans hit the lowest level it was ever recorded. That means, you know, uh, many uh, African-Americans across the country were finding jobs. It was, you know, it, it just goes back to that, you know, that adage of a rising tide lifts all boats. That's exactly mm -hmm. what that was. When he created an economy that really helped everyone, not only did every other, you know, American succeed, but so did African-Americans and other minorities as well. And so if you grow, if you create more jobs, if you create more opportunities, um, you know, you definitely create more wealth as well. Uh, yes. And with more wealth, more things can be acquired to improve the quality of life of the individual and their family. One of the things that surprised me uh, about this new rule is that there is a particular minority who is the most adversely affected. It's the Asians. Asians as a group of people have the highest FICO scores of anybody in the country. The higher their FICO score, the, the stronger the penalty will be if they want to try and buy a home and get a mortgage. And uh, I, I had a hard time understanding that there are two ends to the story. The lower income people who are struggling are trying to get a, a hand up 
to, to be able to buy and afford a house. And yet the people that have succeeded in the most responsible manner with the highest credit score are penalized the most in terms of the cost of fees. Um, do you think that was by design? I, I think it most certainly was. I don't know whether it was designed by race, um, but I'm sure they're going to they're, they're gonna use any racial motivation as justification for the policy, but it was definitely based off of economic class. And this is Marxism in, in, sheep's, in, you know, in, in sheep's clothing. Effectively, what they're doing is they're taking the gains that people have worked hard and worked responsibly for, and they're giving the rewards to those who haven't. And it's not to say that those who are on the bottom rung of the economic ladder um, don't deserve help. They most certainly do. But this is not the help that they deserve. What they do deserve is to learn the skills, the knowledge, and the abilities so that they can climb that ladder, not to get pushed up on a particular pedestal when they really haven't learned or gained anything new. You know, as an example, what's the point of lowering the fees to allow you to get a house if you have bad credit and you miss mortgage payments? You know, uh, you ultimately are, are are bringing that horse to water, but you're not making them drink. You're not you're not teaching them a life skill, and that's what people you know on the bottom rung of the ladder truly need. But Marxism doesn't care about that. Marxism only wants to hurt those who are on top and then try to redistribute and control who should get the benefits at the bottom. Um, there's a um, an organization in San Francisco who is studying possible repatriation to Black people as a result of the Civil War. And in one of the positions is that everybody, every black person who qualifies, which is about, they say about 50,000 out of 55,000 blacks in the city of San Francisco, 50,000 people are entitled to buy a house for a dollar. According to the Board of Realtors in San Francisco, there are approximately 91,000 single family homes. I don't know, couldn't, couldn't find any numbers on how many black people actually own homes in San Francisco. But the idea that, again, we're, we're not gonna hold people accountable, we're going to allow them to buy not just one, but as many as they want for a dollar a piece. What message does that say to the community that's trying to improve its, its standing when all, all this stuff is being proposed, along with five to seven and a half million dollars in cash up front and $97,000 a year income for 250 years. With these kinds of reparation policies being talked about and possibly implemented, how does the minority community react to that? Here's what the minority community needs. It's the same thing that uh, the majority community needs. Respect. But this is not it. This is insulting. This is the farthest thing from respect. You know, uh, saying that you are entitled to pay for a house for $1, well, where is that written in the Constitution? Where is that quote unquote entitlement? Is it because of, of, of you know, of slavery that happened um, hundred more than 150 years ago? If that's the case, aren't we all entitled to a house for $1? Because slavery has been a societal evil since time immemorial. 
everybody can trace an ancestor back to a sl to slaves because we were all, you know, because the entire human race has been a slave to one person or another. But that's not what they want to do, is it? They want to focus on, let's say, African-Americans, and they want to say that because of the color of your skin, you cannot get ahead. Because of the color of your skin, you are inferior. And so we need to give you these hands up because we don't believe that you can get there by yourself. That is insulting to the human condition. That is demoralizing. And to a certain extent, it is dehumanizing. And so, you know, if I hear something like that, I'm going to be utterly disgusted um, and feel that, you know, this is no different than the progressive racist ideas of the 1920s. It's the Democrats then and it's the Democrats now. We have been speaking with Michael about uh, what's going on in the real estate market and mortgages and reparations. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Michael after these messages. Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066. or back to Blacks and Whites, and we're having a fascinating conversation with Michael Austin about um, Project 21 and what he's talking about in terms of the, the proposed housing regulations uh, from the Biden administration that's going to take from the successful and give money to perhaps people that shouldn't be getting it because they have not been successful with their credit scores or other issues. But you wanted to talk about a couple of other issues. So why don't you put it on the table and let's kick it around? Sure. Um, you know, going back to this housing rule, um, it's it's really a Pandora's box of consequences. You know, I think we talked about the unfairness issue, you know, uh, before the break. Um, but another, you know, consequence I'm easily thinking of is the economic one. Um, I don't know where I don't know I don't know where your viewers are in particular, but if they're anywhere in this country, most likely, you know, there's a housing shortage. Prices are prices for homes continue to skyrocket, continue to grow. And when I think of this type of policy where it's going to take the gains of those with better, with higher credit scores and use it to encourage more home buying among, you know, those who are not as great borrowers, you know, that's going to increase demand. And if you increase demand without doing anything to supply, the price is going to rise. So, you know, one thing I'm worried about with this policy um, is not only is the, it's unfairness, but it's going to, you know, deal with inflation like you putting, you know, like throwing water on a grease fire. It's just going to exacerbate the entire um, issue and make it harder for everyone to get a home that they enjoy. Michael, I saw an article recently by the National Board of Realtors, and they're, they're saying now that there's a shortage of 3.8 million single family homes in the country. And um, even with interest rates as high as they are. Demand, as you pointed out, demand for housing is continuing, and we're we're seeing a redistribution of population 
in the Northeast, the North and the West because of the tax situations, the quality of life, crime, whatever, and they're moving to the South and the Southwest. Um, but uh, if people wanted to buy a home, they may not even find anything on the market. I, I live in Southwest Florida and in hurricane uh, country. In fact, my house was pretty well wiped out in Hurricane Ian last summer. Uh, and um, we have places that have been around for a while that have 1,100 units and two were for sale, two out of 1,100. There are some places that have nothing for sale. So you're right, there's a shortage of housing and uh, uh, and unemployment this morning was uh, three and a half percent. I mean, dropped dropped a little bit. So we have shortages of housing. Uh, real wages have slowed, so they're they're not making any gains on inflation with whatever you're earning. You're losing ground even if you get a raise. And um, the economic situations is how do people afford? to buy a house today, given the cost of borrowing and the shortage of housing driving the price of housing up. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Um, when, when you wanna deal with the housing crisis, you don't, let's say, increase demand. What you do is you focus on making it cheaper to build a house. That means pulling back on regulations so that builders um, don't have to file that extra paperwork or, or hire someone to file that extra paperwork. Um, that means, you know, working with zoning regulations so that they can, you know, have more options to build different types of homes in different types of areas or across the country. But basically, it is making it actually cheaper on the supply side to build a house. That's how you lower prices. You can't necessarily control demand. You can't necessarily pull it back or, well, in particular cases, you can spur it on. Um, but if you can get the supply to at least match that demand, then prices will subside and prices will elevate. But that's not what, you know, we're seeing from the Biden administration. We're seeing a complete focus on the demand side to push, push, push. Um, and of course, now we're seeing the highest prices we've ever seen in, in, in decades. And it's going to take years for that inflation to ever subside. Uh, that's a very important issue you're raising. Uh, a lot of people who don't understand for inflation, uh, that if the Fed continues to tighten as they did on Wednesday, uh, they're talking about well, inflation will come in check, you know, by this by the fall. But it it takes a long time for in, embedded inflation to to work its way out, and I don't think the majority of people understand that that's a, that's an economic issue. That's true. That's right. There was a study that came out. I believe it looked at the OECD countries and how they dealt with inflation. And, and what it found was that once your uh, once your nation's inflation rate, you know, went above five percent, it took on average ten years for it to you know to to subside 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 back down to roughly around two percent. And that was looking at, of course, the average of the OECD countries. So of course, America could be special, but the point of that you know, report was just to say is that when inflation reaches that high level, it becomes sticky. Um, it becomes really difficult to get it down to you know, a level where it should be. Um, and that's on part of both the federal government and the Federal Reserve for putting us in that situation.
I absolutely agree with that. I think the government uh, did a terrible job, uh, not only in, in dealing with inflation, but the way they handled the pandemic and what they did to our children and to business, small businesses was just atrocious. And, you know, there are, again, simplistic people think that there are simple solutions. Simp people think, well, maybe our children lost two years of schooling, but they can make it up in summer school. No, they can't. They can't. And we're going to have a, an entire generation of people, young people, who are going to have a lot of problems that's going to require tremendous amounts of services to get them through. I mean, I think part of the transgender issue and the self-mutilation is in response to the depression that the uh, the shutdown and the lockdown and the closing of the schools and the loss of social interaction has caused in our children. And um, businesses that were destroyed, that didn't need to be destroyed, but were destroyed either through riots or through government interventions to shut them down uh, because they were afraid about people being out there. Uh, it was, it will be a time that historians will look back, I believe, in the future and say, what happened in America? What happened in the world the way they reacted to, to COVID? And uh, the economic consequences are still still yet to be unfolded in many, many households around the country. No, no, that, that, that's exactly right. Um, in terms of the schooling issue, you know, the kids can't come back in, in just a summer because before the pandemic even happened, our educational progress for kids was on decline. Um, you know, test scores were already dropping, uh, uh, assessment scores were not, were, you know, weren't moving in the right direction. And that was, you know, that was in 2019 before the pandemic and now the pandemic hit and we've fallen like a sack of potatoes. So no, summer school isn't going to make a difference here. You know, what, what, what parents really need. And I, I think we're kind of seeing that across the country is school choice. So, you know, parents need to have the, the funds and the resources to take their kid to wherever, you know, they want their child to get an education. And I think that will stem some of that learning loss because parents know where the best schools are or parents know where the schools are that would really help their child. And so they should have the option, of course, of making that choice and getting there. Um, and so there are many states that are working to provide those resources and provide those options to parents. But you're exactly right. The, the repercussions from either the school closures or the business closures, you know, they had an immediate effect, but they're having ripple effects today. You know, um, the inflation that we're dealing with, you know, all stemmed back from that pandemic, deciding to close a couple of businesses, keep others open and force people to be at home and order things off of Amazon as an example, right? Um, uh, other consequences have to do with, you know, with wages. You know, you look at this jobs report uh, that came out today and, and yeah, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, but the headline is a pretty good number, unexpected job gains. Um, but we're looking at 20 plus months where wages didn't keep up with inflation. In other words, 20 plus months of Americans' wages shrinking. They can buy fewer goods and services. They can't buy more. And that's not economic progress. That's, that's two years of stagnation. And, you know, once we get, once we actually hit this recession, which I think is, of course, coming, imagine it. We're going to have a recession with job losses and high prices. 
Um, it's the worst of both worlds. And unfortunately, I think that's where we are inevitably heading. You know, it's, uh, uh, we have about a minute and a half here. Um, uh, I agree with what you're saying there is that, that if we look back at the, uh, the pandemic, one of the things that seemed to be an anomaly was that the stock markets were going up when the economy was going in the tank. And it was said that the stock market in my years in the business is a leading indicator of about six to 12 months. Now we see the stock market in trouble in 2022, big time, S&P down uh, 20% and the NASDAQ down 33%. Uh, and it's the volatility is there. Uh, I don't think that the that when people answer the question, are we headed in the right direction? Answer is no. Yep. So what do you think is going to happen in 2024? Well, I think we'll have a recession. Um, we've already seen it with these bank closures. And the horrible thing about these bank closures is that Three out of the four biggest bank closures this country has ever seen has happened in the last two months. Um, three of the biggest, three out of the four bank closures that biggest bank closures this country has ever seen happened in the last 60 days. I think it's just the beginning with the Federal Reserve and their actions holding interest rates down for so long and then hiking them back up, many banks are realizing that the assets that they're holding, they're going to turn into losses. And then we'll see further consolidation of smaller banks, of mid-sized banks, and some even bigger banks that just will be, uh, that will just start to fail. And, you know, once we see those financial intermediaries fall, then that means investment to businesses can also crash. Uh, that also means consumption can, 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 will, will fall as well. Um, it's just not a great sign. And I don't believe the Biden administration is going to be willing to do anything effectively about it. They're going to exacerbate the situation at any chance they get. Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and listening to your, your thoughts and your words. Uh, how can people follow you? You can, of course, follow all of my writings at nationalcenter.org, or you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter at KS Economist. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me, sir. And uh, we'll be right back. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican. Why do Democrats hate Americans so much? When Hillary was running for president, she said half of Donald Trump's supporters were, quote, a basket of deplorables. Recently, Joe Biden, at a speech in Philadelphia, told America that half of us are semi-fascist terrorists.
terrorists. Under the First Amendment of the Constitution, we have the right to express our opinions, and if we disagree with the left, they don't have the right to take away our freedom of speech. Clearly, the statement by Hillary and Biden are designed to silence the conservatives in America. Many Americans find it easier to go along with the left and give up their right to disagree. What would America look like today if our founding fathers would have given in to the king and not fought for their freedom? Today, we must fight to take America back. Join the new generation of patriots who believe in the Constitution. Join the new revolution in America. Thank you for joining us today, and we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com, that's bwradionetwork.com, and give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.